Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. So I don't know if I have any vacation Bible school or camper alums out there, church camp, um, but if so, maybe you remember songs from those time in your that time in your life where you learned around the campfire they were easy to remember and now you can't get them out of your head. Um, Jesus loves the little children is one. Jesus loves me, this I know is another. Father Abraham has many sons with all the motions to it. And another one of those that's been on my mind recently with this scripture is the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rain came, and the, the rain came down, and the floods came up, and the rain came down, and the floods came up, but the house on the rock stood firm. And then there was the foolish man. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, the song said. Upon the sand, upon the sand, and the rain came down, and the floods came up, and the rain came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the sand went splat. That's the way the song went. I'm not sure it was right to show that much joy when you got to do the splat part, but I remember that as a kid. And I think about that now and wondering, well, what really did that song teach us anyway? Uh, personally, I like houses built upon the sand, if you know what I mean. Um, so that's the song in my mind as we look at this scripture. We, maybe we don't know what exactly that was trying to teach, but what is this scripture trying to teach? Because this scripture is where the song comes from. The enduring lesson, I think, here is well worth understanding as we join in community to live out God's calling. What we hear from the gospel today comes at the very end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. When that sermon is in Matthew, it's chapters 5 through 7 and contains the, the crucial aspects of his teaching. When we're looking in Luke, what's often called the Sermon on the Plain, it's in chapter 6. In both cases, this little parable by Jesus is the last thing that is said. It drives the point home, the house. What kind of foundation is the house built on? But before that, Jesus has done all this really important teaching, and it's challenging teaching. The whole Sermon on the Mount starts with the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes begin with, Blessed are you who are poor, because God's kingdom is yours. The Beatitudes go on, and by the way, the children are actually studying the Beatitudes right now, but there's something that we need to study our whole lives because there's so much in them. Jesus starts there with the Beatitudes, and then he moves on. This is where we find the teaching to love your enemies, to withhold judgment, to give generously, and to avoid hypocrisy. This is where we find Jesus telling his followers that they will be set apart by the fruit in their lives. This is where we find Jesus warning them that just claiming the name of Jesus, knowing about Jesus, even knowing doctrinally about Jesus, all those things don't compare with participating in the kingdom of God through Jesus, with living in that light, with not actually just hearing, but doing or obeying what he says. And so again, Jesus uses this image of the two builders to bring his point home. As a carpenter, he understood the construction business, and in his local context, when it was summer, 
Everything was fine. As long as the sun was shining, everything was safe. But when the seasons change, summer turns to fall and fall to winter, it is the rainy season in Palestine. And when the rain came down, dried riverbeds were quickly filled with raging water that beat against those houses along with the wind and tested the stability and the foundation on which they stood. His listeners would have immediately gotten the, the point, the metaphor, that those who hear and do the teachings of Jesus will remain standing when the storms come. And there's no question, the storms will come. I have very minimal experience with actual home building and construction, but I do have some. During high school, I traveled each summer to Appalachia with my church youth group to work on homes in the hills and the hollers with the families beside us as we painted or did repairs or cleaning. Then as a college student, I volunteered with Habitat for Humanity and spent an entire summer directing youth groups from all over as they worked on homes in Missouri, just kind of up and down the state line wherever Habitat was working. And we did roofing, and we did drywall, and all sorts of things. But alas, I am a person prone to accidents. So on these sites, things didn't always go well, and even off-site. Like the time I was driving the big orange pickup truck down the five-lane highway in St. Louis with stuff in the back, and the engine quit, just stopped in the middle. I have no idea why. And I prayed so much that day, and stuff was falling off the back of the truck, and I, I, to this day, I think it was probably angels that helped me get to the side of the road. And then when I was in the Philippines and had the title Student Chief of Construction, um, I dropped a giant beam on my hand and went to the hospital by canoe. That was the transportation system with just this really swollen hand. And that event, it turns out, effectively ended my relationship with a hammer and nails for good and most likely improve the quality of construction worldwide. I think discipleship is no easy road for those who seek to follow Jesus' teaching as he lays out in the Sermon on the Mount. To build a life on serving others, on loving your enemy, on non-retaliation, on the return of good for evil, will feel like life lived in a storm. You will get your hands and your toes stepped on. The roof will leak. You will need the help of angels just to get safely to the side of the road. The house that is your life will sometimes shake and whirl and creak and threaten to give. In the life of faith, however, the center will hold. The center will hold no matter what. The light at the center will shine. For the universe is created, maintained, and redeemed by God. And if you build your faith, on regular prayer. You are community-minded. If you love your neighbor, if you care about God's creation, if you serve, if you do the things that bring you into close relationship with Jesus and with one another, your foundation is strong. You know life is a gift. You know that God sustains that life, and you know that there is a deep well of grace underneath you and that you are not alone. But I'm telling you, it's so much easier to trust that deep well of grace if you have an actual roof over your head and an actual foundation under your feet. 
We know these past few years, though some have prospered, they've been really rough for many people. We know the traumas of the pandemic are still with us. We know some have lost homes due to natural disasters, economic hardship, and unjust policies. We know that many do not feel safe in their own homes because of poor living conditions or harmful family dynamics. Many feel alone and isolated. What can we do as people of faith? Who will we be in this time? Well, based on Fairmount's long legacy of growing in faith and making a difference in the world, our church has joined with other congregations in the Presbyterian Church USA to become what's called a Matthew 25 congregation. Matthew 25 is another parable of Jesus toward the end of that gospel, where at the end times he separates the sheep from the goats based on how they respond to the stranger, the imprisoner, and the hungry. Jesus calls us to love and to serve for the least of these, not as a group to be pitied, but as people who are so deeply loved by Jesus that loving them is loving Jesus. And that means we are committed to actively participating in three audacious efforts, not on our own, with a family of faith that we call our Presbyterian home. The first one is building congregational vitality by challenging members to deepen and energize their faith and to actively engage with their community. That's number one. The second thing is dismantling structural racism by fearlessly applying our faith to advocate and break down the systems, practices, and thinking that underlie discrimination, bias, prejudice, and oppression of people of color. That's two. Number three, eradicating systemic poverty by acting on our beliefs and working to change laws, policies, plans, and structures that perpetuate exploitation of people who are poor. Those are three really big things. They are three gospel-based goals, building congregational vitality, dismantling structural racism, eradicating systemic poverty, and congregations who serve their communities and advocate together to lift a voice for justice and joy have found that the vibrancy of their own house of worship is built up and the foundation of their spiritual home is strengthened. But I wonder, I wonder as we answer the call in Matthew 25 to see Christ in those who are hurting and bound and hungry and homeless, that maybe that just maybe we can do something a little bit more. That maybe today, that maybe together we can find a way to help build an actual house, a place of rest as if we are building for the Lord. We have been waiting to announce this to you and your participation in it. We have hinted about it and talked about it, and now the day is here that we want to buy a house together for a homeless family in need, and we think we can do it, and even the kids are helping out in the effort. Those of you who have been worshiping with us this fall may be accustomed to all those house symbols that I talked about with the children. And you know, too, that this one is new. Of course, a creation of Pastor Lindsay, who is, has so many ideas, there's not even time for all of them. But this is her visual representation of what it means and how it looks when we work together to buy a house for someone in need. There are stickers to put on, there's a mail slot to put in um, a pledge form, an indication you've already given, or a new pledge. 
all those things are here right below the pulpit because standing on the word of God, we help our community in need. This all comes through Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry with whom we've been in partnership for a long time. And what happened with them is as they were providing shelter for people experiencing homelessness, they noticed that more and more families with children were becoming homeless in the Cleveland area. So they worked together and they're raising funds for this thing called Breaking New Ground. And they strategized about a project that would encourage self-sufficiency and stabilization of a neighborhood. They also wanted to undo the historical reality and ongoing effects of redlining, disinvestment, and racial discrimination in a particular neighborhood in the St. Clair Superior neighborhood. So that's, that's not too far from us where these homes are located, these homes that will be bought, renovated, and rented out for a family who is experiencing homelessness, these homes that will become home. There's one on the front of your bulletin, Bonna Avenue, and if you traveled from here to that home, you would make a right on Fairmount Boulevard, north to Cedar Road, west on Chester, past the Cleveland Clinic where some of you work, you'd head right on East 79th, you'd go straight through the Huff neighborhood, and then left on Addison Road, you'd cross Superior, near where Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry is located, right in the neighborhood, and you'd make a left on Bona Avenue. Phew, that's a lot for me, because I'm terrible at directions. I had to work really hard at getting that right, but I'm, I'm positive it is right. It's five miles from here. It's a 15-minute drive. It's an hour and 40-minute walk. And if you're curious to see this for yourself, Reverend Hank Dahl, who is a longtime supporter of LMM, is taking a group after church next Sunday. This is the time, and today is the day, where we are now giving everyone a chance to be a part of this. One thing we won't be asked to do, and I'm personally grateful for this, we're not going to be working on these homes. There are skilled people, or people who are trainable, who need jobs and a paycheck, who can renovate the homes in the neighborhood so they are safe to live in. As a church, we are aiming to fund the renovation of one home symbolized by that house. And when we complete our goal, a number which is almost 10% of our budget, then all the bricks will be filled in and we will celebrate. But not as much as the families who will be finally home. We will be acting on God's enduring vision proclaimed by Isaiah that justice will reside in wild lands and righteousness will abide in farmlands, that the fruit of righteousness will be peace and the outcome of righteousness, calm and security forever. Then my people will live in a peaceful dwelling, in secure homes, in carefree resting places. Friends, today's sermon is about getting something done, not just today, not just with this house, but with each step we take to build our lives on the rock whom we know as Jesus the Christ. The work Jesus means to get done, the very work in which he enlists his followers to take part, is the work of making possible a safe and strong and God-honoring, flourishing human community, a community founded on rock, able to withstand the inevitable wind and the rain. So join me. Join me in building homes to live in. Amen.
We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.